0: I was on the front side and I was wrestling and this dude bit me in the hand like this. And I like cocked back and punched him inside, like whacked him inside the head. And they were like, no, 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 two points. So they just gave the guy two points. So that's why I lost the match.
1: We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would
0: say nothing in life has impacted me more than The things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus
1: and channel my energy we're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and
0: effort. It humbled me, taught me humility.
1: Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems.
0: You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. It's yours truly, Ryan Warner, coming to you with a new episode. Our guest today is the great Brent Metcalf, assistant coach at Iowa State where he's been for the past seven years. Before that, he was a legend for the Iowa Hawks, three-time NCAA finalist, two-time NCAA champ, Brent was on the world level from 2010 through 2016, making several U.S. world teams. He's one of the best to ever do it, and it's been an honor to have him on the podcast for today's show. It's a short episode, unfortunately. Typically, we go an hour. Some scheduling thing came up, and we were only able to do 30 minutes, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Fan of the week goes to one of our younger fans, Mac Barbary. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly a wrestler for Francis Howell Jr. Vikings. Thank you so much for listening to this show, and good luck this season. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for Brent Metcalf. Just a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back to this episode. We have a new sponsor today, folks, and it's the Wrestling Consultant. With over 20 years of college coaching experience, the Wrestling Consultant ran by Teague Moore, NCAA champ for Oklahoma State, recent podcast guest. Teague Moore is here to help you understand the college recruiting pot process. So if you're looking at D1, D2, D3, NAI, or JUCO, Teague has the knowledge to help narrow the options from coaches, academic fields of interest, or geographic location. With over 450 programs for men and 100 for women, the wrestling consultant is here to help you find the right program for your future. If you or your parent wants to speak to the wrestling consultant, go to the wrestlingconsultant.com. Now back to this episode. Well, let's get into it, man. Brett Metcalf, honored to have you back on the podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good, doing Good. How are you? Doing well. I'm excited to have you back. I was looking it was in like episode 70, 68, somewhere in there last time we had John and you know we're coming up on 5 years and You know, football season's here, so wrestling's right around the corner. Man, give us your thoughts on the upcoming season. How are you feeling about it?
0: Uh, I'm excited that for us in particular, we've just we got what I would say a lot of unknowns. Uh, We've got some young guys that are going to be stepping in the lineup. We've got some changes that are going to be happening, like guys moving weight classes. Um, So even the guys that maybe uh, you knew what you you had, you want to see how it kind of works with them bumping up a weight class. Um, so I'm excited. I mean, I I think as a culture and as a room, we're really moving in the right direction. So that's really exciting to me. Um, and then, like I said, just to see, you know, our our hope is, is that I'm not sure how many we got, but let's just call it a three or four weight classes. We've got them moving guys, moving weights, um, that they feel big and they feel strong and that it just adds to all the other work and where they're already at, you know,
1: Yeah, I can't believe it's been seven years since you've been there. Is it, does that seem like a fast seven or is it a long seven?
0: A fast seven, a very fast seven for sure. Um, I I think every time I'll meet somebody new, like this weekend football games, they're like,
1: Oh, how long you been there?
0: I'll say seven going on seven seasons. They're like, No, but yeah, it's been seven.
1: (laughs) Dang, that's crazy. And so, just for folks who uh who aren't in Cyclone Nation, you came in. Um, left, you came in. And so you're there with Saint John. You're there with the great Kevin Dresser, obviously. And uh and yeah, it's been uh, it's been awesome to see you guys building. You have so many, so many fun names coming in. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of of Chitta myself, but so last year was one. So um you what do you make of this new era we're in with with transfers and and you know. I guess it's an opportunity, but do you think it's overall plus or what? What are your thoughts?
0: Um, I think I'm going to quote Coach Dresser here. Um, his, his attitude is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people complain about it, bitch and moan. But the reality is, is that it is what it is. And never in the history of our sport have um, the greatest athletes been able to get paid for what they do. Right. And especially, you know, in, in college. So we can complain about it or we can embrace it um and that's kind of the mantra that we've taken is let's embrace it let's go do what we can um to make sure that our guys have the opportunity um to to receive nil if they if if, if it's possible for them um so that's kind of where, how we're marching you know um and it's it's been good and i think that's been a good way to look at it because for sure it's out there it's there it's not going anywhere the best that any of us can tell um so and, and i and i generally believe it's a positive thing too you know um, unfortunately in our sport once you graduate college there's not really a, a professional avenue you know like your best case scenario is go in the olympics you know that's, that's a tiny little fraction tiny
1: tiny fraction yeah, yeah. That ain't easy to do i tried. all right
0: um so you know i yeah it's, to me it's a positive just for for our sport and the guys in the sport that put a lot of work into it um but now they do have an opportunity um to, to make some money you know when their name is in and when they're at their their highest peak in in their careers you
1: know so and you did a interview with a good friend of our stalemates this summer and you talked about the most you ever made in wrestling was twelve thousand from a tournament in Azerbaijan and uh i just thought that was interesting because that's a nice piece of change but i don't know if that was the norm or not
0: no that was would have been like mind-blowing that was just like this is amazing this is awesome
1: like i came home and i didn't throw a party but i I came
0: home (laughs) feeling like i was ready to throw a party you know right Um, right Yeah. I mean, obviously times have changed too, but yeah, we were, and I I don't know. It's funny. If you, if you go the generation before, you know, I I remember when I was coming up through, um, that my assistant coaches, like those guys that were pursuing the Olympics, they were assistant coaches or they had like jobs at home Depot. I remember meeting a lot of guys that I was like competing against and I was young. So I'm a freshman It's like, they had to work, you know, to make a living and then chase the Olympic dream. Right. And then that kind of changed. Um, you know, as I graduated, it was like, Hey, we've got just enough money to like keep you afloat while you're chasing the Olympic dream. And then after I got out, it got kind of out of control a little bit where these guys are really making a bunch, not, I mean, no one's getting rich, but you know, really living a good, you know, healthy life. Um, and then we'll see how that changes, right? Because you've got almost only so much money that can be fundraised to put through a program. And obviously you introduce the college guys are going to be, going to be hitting into some of that, you know? So if your program is program, 50 grand, you're going to spend 50 grand on your RTC guys, or are you going to find a way to, you know, help, help the college guys too. So I, I have a soft prediction that um, it's going to hurt us in a lot in the long run.
1: Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that home Depot era though. You're right. Cause when we were doing the project on Henry Cejudo, in '08 at the OTC, Lee Fullhart was living out there, and he had to get special permission from Terry to be able to work at the Home Depot because Terry didn't want any of the guys working. So, and and like you said, go back another. You know, I, for some reason it feels like the early '90s was maybe the golden era. But like the Lee Kemp era, those guys were getting nothing. I mean, and barely even coaching. So when you were on your run ten through sixteen, were you coaching at Iowa or just a Hawkeye guy? No, I was just
0: I was just part of the club. It's just a the club, club. So, okay. Yeah, yeah obviously you're, you're you're helping the guys in the mornings, and there's a couple guys you get close with, and you're helping them and yourself, and you know it kind of it meshes. But no, the, my capacity was just all the wrestling club.
1: So okay, so and but then like like you said, the generation before they had to be coaching yeah. or getting kind of the just some of the table scraps as you mentioned, just to stay afloat.
0: Yeah, and what's what's interesting is I think right after I I got out of. Um, college you know i was like hey i want to jump right into the coaching deal and i remember coach brand saying like hey you know what we're not going to do that you know like you can't serve both masters you know and i i remember being a little frustrated a little bit because i really wanted to i wanted to go right away like oh wow and I have, i've got all this great energy like i want to go and start recruiting and do all these things i can handle them both i thought um but i mean looking back it was it was probably the right choice um because it is it, it, it's hard it, they're the amount of energy and the selfishness that you need to put into yourself just to have a chance, you know, and then to think, all right, the amount of energy that I put into our guys every single day, like you can't, like you said, you can't serve both those masters at one time, you know? So.
1: Dang, I didn't know you wanted to go into it right away.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I think most, I mean, I don't know. You go through it all and you kind of,
1: yeah. You idolize what your coach
0: is doing for you. And then you get to a point where it's like, Hey, like I can do this now, you know? And um you want to get back you want to be a part of all that excitement but yeah it, it plays out how it plays out and it's for the best
1: so well and it's cool that you you know, you spent so much time competing because i was looking through some of your international brackets and you know we just got done with the worlds which i'm sure you were glued to that just like the rest of us and i didn't realize that you had competed in the Euregan back during that time What what stories do you have of going over to uh over to over to siberia did you go more than once I went every single
0: year that I was competing. So, a lot really? of them. Yeah. Wow. Whatever that was, yep. So, um, I don't know if I have any crazy, crazy stories. Because, honestly, um, it felt like a lot of times we would just come, show up, wrestle, leave. So, there wasn't, like, a whole lot of outside of wrestling stories. Um, what was the certainly... time then when
1: you were when you were going to Chechnya with Cejudo and those guys? Okay, so that would have been... 2006,
0: the year that I transferred to Iowa, I was ineligible because it wasn't a free willy transfer whenever you want world. Okay. <laughs> so I was ineligible. So fortunately during that time, Terry was the, um, um, USA resident I guess coach. Been the, the resident coach. Yep. Um, so he was taking a group over overseas and I jumped in with, on that bandwagon. So that was amazing. That was yeah, there's some there's some good stories if you want
1: to get into some of those. Oh yeah, that. let's get into it. Because yeah. that was June of oh six. Yeah, because Sehudo had just lost in the world trials to Henson. And then mm-hmm. he goes two weeks later. You guys go uh to some really tough dual meets in like late June.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty unbelievable. It was, so it was my first international
1: trip ever.
0: Um I always tell people like when I went, I remember like there's no way to communicate to my family that like I was okay. <laughs> right so all there was was that we were at the tournament and there was like a mac computer with the green screen you know and I, this was again those were older than i was even was you know we had dial up internet we didn't have that and um i remember them like sitting us down and being like all right you know type in your message i typed it in and then like okay it's set <laughs> i'm like is it you know, like, <laughs> to who <laughs> yeah. there's a sentence on this green screen here and you said it's go, it's good so I don't know if I ever I said I never asked my
1: parents if, if like hey did you get an email from me? Um, so where'd you guys like land at? What was the first stop?
0: Oh gosh, I could not remember. I'm not going to be that guy that's going to be able to rip it out for you, but I do know we wrestled in country. We wrestled in a tournament first. Um, that was not in Chechnya. Wrestling a tournament first, and that was pretty profound because it was this outdoor arena with all this seating kind of inside. And there's people staying outside, not a single female. And I remember, like, come the finals, like, one female showed up. And it was, like, the region's president's wife got to come, you know. So, from again, culturally, I'm just, like, a young kid. I'm, like, what is this about, you know. Um, so that was super tough. The, how that story went around was um, I I lost. I can't remember what, what match I lost. But, uh, oh, I was on the front side. And I was wrestling. And this dude bit me in the hand like this and I like cocked back and punched him inside like whacked him inside the head and they were like no 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 two points so they just gave the guy two points so that's why I lost the match I was no. kind of, you know, I remember it's like see the marks and they're like no no I don't look <laughs> they <wouldn't let> me... <laughs> uh, this was like my first taste of like exactly how it operates over there so I lost um, and then on the back side Jared Lawrence was at the same weight class again I'm young so I kind of look up to all these guys he would wrestle whoever he would wrestle i would have to wrestle with one of them deals um and then he lost remember I, I got off really hard match i got off the mat and i was like just crawled under the bleachers and i was drinking some water and i was watching like through the bleachers um him wrestling and i think he got pinned or something like the match only lasted like it was very short right um and then they're like okay you're up now <laughs> it's like i'm up there's that rain, really strong um so then, yeah, I just remember, like, having this really short break, having to go back out there um, and wrestle this Iranian – I think he was Iranian guy um, and ended up losing. Um, and then – so let's fast forward here to where it gets really juicy. Is Yeah, so then we, we pull up and we go to Chechnya. We get to the Chechnya border, um, and they have us wait there at this hotel. And I remember uh, – I don't know if it was a hotel or a restaurant or something. Like, there's a cross until they showed up to pick us up. And I'm, I'm sitting there. And I'm like, hey, I got to go number two, man. I got to go to the bathroom, you know? And like, okay, come with me. And we're walking. We go around the building because there's like a hole in the ground out back. And the guy goes, hey, down, down, down. I'm like, what? He goes, below the bushes. So I'm like crouching below the bushes walking. He goes, snipers in the hills. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about having to go number two, you know? So
1: So these guys all got guns uh
0: yeah yeah oh yeah oh wow i I didn't understand i don't understand anything that's going on you know i'm like i guess this is just how it is in russia you know um so yeah they came to pick us up there's some pictures that have circulated around i don't have any of them but it's pretty neat let's say our travel party was like 15 or whatever they had like 15 black suvs loaded with guns in the back like automatic weapons and stuff and they let us like play with them and take pictures with them and we drove like a hundred plus miles an hour for like an hour and a half straight. And they had to the barricade off like military did. And again, I was like, ah, I guess this is just how it is. Like I didn't understand the significance of what was what going in. Like, does that make sense? Um, we get there and we're all of course like cut weight stuff, like get ready to make for this duel. We show up and there's like this huge table of food, like in this like, bare locker room that isn't a locker room it's just a cement floor and like okay you know like we wrestle in one hour and we're like weigh-ins they're like no weigh-ins no weigh-ins <laughs> so we're like let's eat this food <laughs> so we show up we eat the food on the table and then um i remember we wrestled the duels and uh i wrestled farneev who was a two-time world champ all right and um these are big moments for me and sahin who ended up winning the olympics Turkey and the two yes. guys that, right that's um, the dual meet that's the dual meet yeah well yeah that was, <laughs> those are the guys that I wrestled right and I remember uh as I was Mormon because there's no weigh-in, no weigh-ins right I remember being like that guy was at the tournament I was just at you know a week or whatever long ago. and like he was up like two weight classes like what the heck you know <laughs> he old at the time he was all like hairy and like his knee pads were falling apart so I didn't know exactly who he was and before i went out to wrestle uh farnay uh terry whispers was in my ear like the crowd's chanting you can't beat our two time world champ and i was like what <laughs> is a two time world champ you know <laughs> oh, uh,
1: and you know that if you get there and the food's already out that they haven't been cutting for days like you guys have probably been cutting up to that point right so they're way overweight probably
0: yeah which is it's whatever you know so but the the best part to close out the story the best part is um yeah, There's some, I don't know. Just that experience was unbelievable because it was there. There wasn't any amenities, right? Every other time I've gone overseas, it's like just Americanized, but just not quite as nice, you know. Um, But the biggest part, and especially for my career, was I wrestled for him and I. I lost. I remember I was like in on the leg, and had I taken him down, like I would have won or retired or something, right? So I walk off the mat thinking like, shoot, I'm right there with a the two time world champ, right? And then Sahin, the guy that won the the Olympics, said, oh, hey, I had that dude beat. They basically just took the match from me. You know, like I I snapped him down. I broke him. I snapped him down. I run around behind him, take him down to win. And then they're like, no, no, no. Uh, They just gave him points. They said that I went out of bounds. You know what I mean? But he wasn't upset because I I was still like, man, I know what's going on. I understood, right? So I went into my first college season, you know, with the mentality with the thought of like, hey, I just went toe-to-toe with two of the best guys in the world. And I'm like, what, like 19, 20 years old? I was like, can I beat these guys, like, in the United States? And the college kids? I was like, oh, of course I could. So that experience, I think, was one of the biggest things that helped propel me, especially that first year, um, into really believing that, like, hey, I can do this and I can do it now. And I, I, I am, like, I'm ready to be the, the, the guy that I want to be. You know, like, I don't need to go test the waters out. Does that make sense? Um, so it was, it was huge for me. And again, I didn't even win the matches, right? But I lost, but I was, I was like right there. And I showed myself that like, Hey, I'm worthy of of that. I mean, then I can do this. I can go be the best in our country. You know? Right.
1: Right. Wow. It's, I love how you took that experience and and kind of molded it and made it to, to be a positive for you. And obviously it was a positive if you're going that close, but was it a shock to you that that's how international wrestling operated or do you kind of know it going in?
0: No, I think it was good because Henry and I were the two youngest guys, right? So we're like little pups because I would say, again, everything's blurry, but I would say most of these guys that were with us were like in the prime or just like ending their careers so that Mm -hmm. they're 30-ish or whatever, you know? And we're like just barely 20, you know? So um, it was good. We had good mentors around us kind of explaining us like, hey, man, this how it goes. Like, they expect this to happen. Like, don't don't be surprised if they do this, you know? (laughs) Um, So that was probably helpful.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we just watched the Worlds now and it's like, obviously we, one of our best performances ever, back-to-back world champs. And you guys got a guy, David Carr, that I'm sure is going to be looking to make a run. How do you think, like, what has USA been doing differently since your era to now to see the success? Is it the RTCs? Is it the other countries have come down? Like, what do you think is the biggest changes?
0: Um, I think it's a wide variety. That's kind of what I was hinting earlier when I was talking about the, the amount of mon- money that each program has and how it's, you know, it's going to be split up. I think, um, one, we've got really great depth. So if you think of, uh, Dake, Taylor and Burroughs, let's just pick those three names. Right. And there's more. All right. Um, but you know, think about how far and how great those guys have been. Remember they used to be in one white class.
1: <laughs>
0: Crazy. Right? Remember they, like, remember they all used to just to make the team. Right. So that death, and again, that's, that's cherry picking because they're all, they all had unbelievable careers and they were great in their own right. Um, but I, I do believe that we've got really great depth in our country and it's really hard to make the team. Okay. So that keeps you like in, in, prime shape, like ready to go mentally, physically, everything, because you don't get to just take a year off, you know, and get fat and lazy and go to the world championships. Does that make sense? Um, but part of that, if, if you ask my opinion is because of these RTCs, right? Because so many schools now, regardless of, how a guy did in college, you know, generally, if he, if he's got some pretty good capabilities. You try to keep him around, right, um, because they're well-funded. It became a big kind of movement to have these RTCs. Um, I think that that's a big piece of it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the 10 weight classes thing helps. I, I had this discussion the, the other day, too. They're talking about, man, it sucks. The Olympics are going to be six. So the 10 weight classes helps because now you have got that things are watered down. But you just – you took what was six – Right, and then you spread it out, right? So instead of I'm making this up, instead of having three world beaters in your bracket, maybe you got the one or two, right? So you know when you get to semis, it's like be ready to go. Does that make sense?
1: So when but you yeah, were doing it, was it six yeah. weights for the worlds too? Six for everything. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't I didn't remember yeah. that. That yeah. was like a they, they, that was a slight change. I remember.
0: Right as I was getting done, I think uh, Logan Stieber, they, like, they had the weight class. I think he went 70 and, and won the world. It was like a new thing. Um, so either way, neither here nor there, I think that this, uh, it's a piece of all of them, right? Is that we, the 10 weight classes certainly help us because then we were able to take our depth and like spread it out
1: mm-hmm. and spread our
0: wings a little bit, you yeah. know?
1: Well, um, I'll never forget 2017. It was Jaden Cox beat David Taylor and then JB beat Dake. And both of those matches went all I believe both of those series went all three matches and it was like just some of the most incredible scraps you've seen. And to your point, two of those guys got left home. Right. So it's uh, it's and now you look at David Taylor. He's now at the probably at the top echelon of all American wrestlers after what he's been doing. Um, And and obviously you're no stranger to top wrestlers because you got the great David Carr in your room. Let's talk, let's focus on him before we wrap up here. I mean, we're witnessing one of the greatest careers in a long time for anyone from Iowa state in just in wrestling for that matter. What were you feeling last year, NCAA finals before the old tool match? What emotions are you feeling standing in the tunnel before that third match uh, between Keegan and Carr?
0: Oh, honestly, it was a bit of a mess and I put it on, uh, I put it
1: on us for sure. Um there's a lot mean? of,
0: well, And this is not an excuse. This is just how it ended up shaking out. Um, I don't remember. I think he was the second or third match. or He was the very beginning, right? How it shook out. I can't remember it, yeah. We kind of made a plan like, hey, instead of coming really early and getting warmed up, um, the march is supposed to be at this time. The march is supposed to be done. And then we got a half hour to get warmed up. And then they're starting the show. Let's call it that, right? So we're looking at the schedule. Like, let's do it that way. Instead of coming here an hour early, warming up and then just like sitting around for an hour. um, That was our plan. Well, however, it shook out. We got there march and it was like we had to like quick warm up like 10 15 minutes and then they're like hey you're on deck we're rushing him over um he's back in the tunnel at that point i'm feeling pretty good it's, all right like we, we made it work but i think he's relaxed and feeling good and then um again this is just a background story no excuses here okay um i asked the guy in the tunnel like, okay hey, what's our time like how much you know how much gap between matches right he's like you're gonna have about three or five minutes like, sweet. Dave's like, hey, I'm going to run to the bathroom. He runs to the bathroom. Like, the minute he turns, I think he's, like, halfway down the hall, the guy opens the thing. It's time to go. Get him in here. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, you just told me three to five minutes. So we're chasing him down the hall. Like, hey, hey, no, no, no bathroom, no bathroom. So it was like, a bit of chaos. Oh, right? wow. Um, he handled it well. You know, like, we got him squared up. Like, hey, we got to drop it. We got to leave it. We got to go. Right? Um. So that's, if you want honesty, that's exactly how it felt. It was, it was kind of rushed chaos. Um, And it was not relaxed at all. It was not an ideal environment for him. And again, I'll put that on us um, of not just not being aware, double, triple, triple quadruple checking of how things are going to go. So that this guy, so we've got a good plan for him. Right. Um, Do I think that affected him? No, I think that, uh, yeah, I think there's maybe some other things going on, but um, at the end of the day, that that kid's a great wrestler too, you know?
1: So he's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're both, I mean, so the dual meet, I was, your guys' schedule, you guys do not play around with your schedule. You guys got four dual meets in November, and then your last dual meet of the year is against uh, is against Mizzou, which is a, a big dual meet, and that's what I'm thinking of last year when uh, when Carr and Keegan first got out there, and then the Big 12 Finals, I mean, there's nothing more exciting than a pin in overtime. I mean, that was just absolutely insane. So I tip my hat to, to Carr and for you guys for making those matches happen because it's amazing to watch, and... Let's just uh, kind of wind down with this, and you know, we're looking at his last year. what what about David Carr to you kind of speaks volumes to who he is as a wrestler and how he's able to be so successful?
0: Um, I think he's just he's a great and you, this is, you can't even blow smoke when I say this, just a really great kid, a really great kid, a great kid to be around um in all facets. And by that, I mean, if you sat down next to him and met him, you're getting the real David Carr. He's really a a, a really passionate, kind person um and then if you sat down and watched him train and compete he works his butt off he trains his tail off it matters to him a lot um again really really rare to have a kid that's that talented that just he's the hardest worker in your room he's the the, the guy that you'd let you know take your daughter out on a date you know i mean just he's got all those little intangibles which is super cool um to have super cool to have as one of your team leaders right i mean having a guy like that that you could just continue to point to and say hey like follow that path man it's gonna work we promise you know
1: um well just yeah, said that he's like popular amongst all the coaches like if they got a big recruit in town they'll bring David over to do like a like a campus visit or something with like any of the any of the sports.
0: Uh yes for sure I mean he's molded himself into you know the biggest name on campus. You know honestly I think they did a thing the other last year, you know, like the, the most influential social media accounts, and he's number one above every football player, basketball player, you know. Um, so, again, speaks also for his kind of savviness and awareness of 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 who he is and what he represents, and, you know, and he does a great job there too. So, no, super lucky, super blessed, um, and it's it's fun. It's, it's fun every time uh, he steps on the mat um, to kind of see – what sort of show gets put on, you know? So, well, I can't that's wait. The best way to have be as a coach, you know, he gets sit down, and just watch, and eat popcorn, you know.
1: I mean, he's so he's so fun to watch, and yeah, you know, I can't wait until September twenty sixth, Iowa at Iowa State. It's going to be the one of the dual meets of the year. I'll be there, and I'll November,
0: definitely- November. Don't let people show up in September. That would be good.
1: Did I say September? November twenty sixth. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, good. So November twenty sixth, Sunday after Thanksgiving. So. Coach, I'll come up and say hello. I'll be there. And thank you so much for your time this morning, man. It's good to catch up. Yeah, absolutely, man. You bet. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was brought to you by The Wrestling Consultant, a business owned by Teague Moore to help parents and wrestlers find the right college for their future. Go to the thewrestlingconsultant.com to learn more.